If you're a man or have a man in your life who may be struggling in the bedroom due to low testosterone, then this episode of the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show is for you. Welcome to the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show, where each week you will hear the real-world experiences, life lessons, and guided principles that every highly driven man needs to master, their health, productivity, and relationships by sharing conversations with the world's most successful people in fitness, nutrition, supplementation, and mindset. Meet your host, Benjamin Brown. He is a fitness and nutrition expert, consultant to Fortune 500 companies and world championship sports teams, a husband and father of three, and has been helping men transform their physiques, optimize their energy, and own their fatherly mission since 2005. Thank you for joining us today, and without further ado, let's jump right in. Hey, what's up guys? Welcome to episode number 72 of the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show. Today on the show, we're talking all things testosterone, estrogen, boners, peptides, all things male health related. Uh, You're definitely going to want to tune in and listen to the entire episode with my buddy, Michael Moeller. He's a naturopathic doctor who specializes in testosterone optimization therapy. He helps fatigued, depressed, and unmotivated men raise their testosterone so that they can feel energized, confident, and excited about life. When not seeing patients, you can find him in nature, hiking and playing sports, hitting the gym, or podcasting on his own show called The Michael Moeller Mentality. So you're going to want to make sure you check that out. As I said in the show today, we talk about testosterone optimization and some of the intricacies of utilizing testosterone as far as how to approach testosterone optimization, how to speak to your clinician, and then how to take a little more intuitive approach to whether or not your testosterone optimization is working properly for you and your individual body type. We talk about estrogen and aromatase inhibitors and why they may be contraindicated, as well as segue into peptide use and its function on growth hormone and growth hormone and how it affects energy and sleep and body composition and brain function. And then lastly, we talk about some of my own uh, struggles, if you will, as far as sleep and energy production and how he would approach it clinically. So we talk about how he would clinically approach my situation, what blood tests we would run, how we would look at those blood tests, and if there's any additional functional diagnostic tests that he would take a look at in addition to, of course, any of the nutrition and lifestyle factors. So it's an episode you're absolutely not going to want to miss if you're interested in testosterone optimization. With that said, make sure to uh, share this with anyone you think could benefit. And hey, do me a huge favor and leave me a positive review on iTunes. It would be so very much appreciated. With that said, I'm so grateful for you and I hope you guys enjoy. Dr. Michael Moeller, what's up, brother? Welcome to the show. Hey, man. Hey, Ben. Uh, glad to be here. I've been following your work here for a while, so uh, I'm, I'm happy to jump on here. Honor and a privilege. Yeah, same here. Uh, same. Just super excited to have you on. Talk shop, talk about men's health, and see where it goes. Um, what's been going on in your world? You're in San Diego, right? I'm in San Diego. So I, I'm a few days I'm up in Irvine. I'm at a place called American Medical there, doing a lot of ED, TRT treatment. And then uh, about two months ago, I started up in Solana Beach at a practice called uh, Shine Natural Medicine. So that's really a naturopathic clinic. We've got about four NDs in there, IV therapy, you know, natural holistic methods, just trying to to optimize people's health. And and so obviously you're working primarily with men and you Mm -hmm. said uh, ED, erectile dysfunction, TRT, testosterone replacement therapy. How did you get into that realm? Well, first, first off, 
just getting into naturopathic medicine, I broke, I went through the, uh, the sick care system. Like right. a lot of people, I had what was called interstitial cystitis, which is an inflammatory condition of the bladder. Um, basically, uh, you know, modern medicine really couldn't do anything for me. Basically gave me a bunch of antibiotics and said, you're stuck with it. Uh, I found natural and holistic means. I was working at GNC at the time. I was in a bodybuilding weightlifter, just, you know, kind of like you and all of your, all your listeners, just really trying to do everything I could to figure out the body. And I figured out a few things naturally, you know, staying away from bladder irritants, uh, start sleeping better. I was in college at the time doing everything wrong, staying up late, eating bad. Yeah. And when I, I, I turned the corner on everything and then that interstitial cystitis went away. And then that kind of, you know, that threw me into like, whoa, if this happens again, I got to be able to fix it myself. So, you know, at the time I was kind of figuring out my way in college, what I wanted to do. I really liked physiology. I was like, I'll just go pre-med. And, uh, you know, I looked at the conventional medicine route, but them already kind of, you know, there's a time and place for westernized medicine and I'm not here to, to create, to create a conflict with them. Um, they're just, the system set up in a, in a way right now, it's not very individualized. So I found uh, naturopathic medicine compared to the regular MDDO route. And, uh, you know, when I found out I would learn nutrition, when I found out I'd learn regenerative medicine, when I'd learn hormones, I'd learn all these things I was in. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just being in the performance world when we're sitting in class and we're learning about glutathione, you're learning about testosterone and growth hormone and how to optimize them. Like, dude, this is going to be perfect for the gym. So I just yeah. test out myself, you know, yeah. my friends, you know, peptides, you know, whatever it is. I got so many friends just like you. They're like, hey, hey, what do you know about BPC-157? What do you about this? I'm like, let me tell you about that. So. Yeah. So that must have been an interesting and uncomfortable place to be, especially as young as you were going through. Yep. Yeah. I was 20 when that happened. And, you know, like I ended up having what's called a cystoscopy and it's where they put a camera actually up your penis hole. And just, it was just, they originally told me I had an STD. The whole thing was just a mess. Just going to doctor to doctor, getting different antibiotics. And, and like I said, unfortunately that's, that happens to quite a few people. And that's the people that usually end up in, in a naturopathic doctor's office because they're kind of, they've run out of the solution. If you can't give an antibiotic and you can't cut it, um, Westernized medicine kind of, kind of gets itself in a hole. So. Yeah, it is the unfortunate nature. There's a lot of things that it's brilliant for, mm -hmm. um, but 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 getting to the root cause of what what's going on with some issues is certainly not it, as evidenced by what I went through as well with some of my digestive issues growing up from, you know, basically high school on and the years of 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 uh, you know pain and discomfort that. I went through to try and figure out what was going on with me. And that's why we do what we do. Basically mm -hmm. a lot, a lot of times it, it just comes from our self exploration. Um, that's awesome. So I want to dig into testosterone optimization a little bit. We, you know, we've talked about it a decent amount on the show before, but I kind of want to go through the basics again. So for our listeners that don't, understand exactly what testosterone optimization or testosterone replacement therapy is, maybe you could give us a quick breakdown. Yeah, I mean, sure enough, what's really going on? And yeah, I've heard you with Dr. Ralph, with Jay, some of the, the previous people we've had on the podcast that basically what we're seeing is just an epidemic of low testosterone. And mm -hmm. since like the, you know, we have records from the 1980, like 1988, average testosterone of a six year old was like 500. By 2002, it's 400. And the levels are just declining very rapidly. Now, testosterone is the hormone that turns boys into men. So think about when you're 18, what's kind of going on? You're putting on the muscles, waking up with rock hard boners, memory's good, you're motivated and you want to take on the world. 
So if you're low in testosterone, you're going to be low in all those areas. Mm -hmm. So motivation, uh, low libido, low erections. And, and the reason when we think about this is affecting your erections, how's that working? That's working on your blood, blood vessels. Okay. So testosterone is super important for nitric oxide production, super important for your insulin sensitivity. So as, as we're seeing uh, this kind of shift in society, guys' levels keep dropping and they're feeling worse and worse. We have, an, we have epidemics of, you know, 70% of the population is overweight, 40% yeah. is obese. And it's kind of a chicken or the egg thing. Is it the lifestyle that's lowering the testosterone or is it, you know, the low testosterone that's causing all these effects? Um, but we do know just environmentally, diet, all these things are basically crashing men's testosterone. So it's really starting to affect guys. One of the main things I hear from my patients is, you know, I'm doing everything right, but I'm not seeing results. Like right. they're going to the gym, they're eating right, uh, they're trying to sleep. A lot of times they don't sleep that well. And also I hear they just like don't feel like themselves. Yes. You know? So basically what, what they're kind of calling it now is andropause. Or with women, we have menopause. Um, but what's interesting about this andropause, you think, you know, 50 to 60-year-old guy has low T, but we're seeing it younger and younger. Um, 25% of the men over the age of 30 one fourth of the men of the age over 30. Do you hear that? So if you're 30, you have a one in four chance of having low testosterone. That's crazy. So and, and yeah. And, 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 you know, it's like you said, when, but even, but saying low testosterone as being diagnosed as low testosterone, yes. like that's really freaking low. Exactly. Testosterone. Well, back to the sick care system, modern medicine isn't about optimizing you. Modern medicine isn't about keeping you resilient. Modern medicine is like, wow, it's broken. It's falling off time to fix it. So just in 2017, the lower end of the reference range used to be 350. And because men have been so low in 2017, they dropped it to 250. Mm -hmm. So, and I have a story, my buddy's 33, just had a kid and just feeling like, he's just feeling like shit. Okay. Just depressed. Doesn't want to play with his daughter. Can't go to, doesn't want to go to the gym. So he goes in and I go, Hey, Brandon, go get your testosterone tested. He's in Illinois goes and gets his testosterone tested and he's like 245. Okay. That's like clinically low. You see any doctor in the country that is low. And unfortunately for insurance to cover it, the doctor's like, well, we need to run another level and see where it's at. He comes back two days later, they run another level and he's 255. Mm. Went up 10 points. And they're like, well, unfortunately you don't have low testosterone because now you're, you know, but if this were, if this were two years ago, he'd have been for sure diagnosed low T and he's yeah. 33. This dude's not 50 or 60. Crazy. And so, like when you're in, when your testosterone is low, just your quality of life, just, it sucks, man. These guys come in, they're, like you said, doing everything right. They're, they're really, they're, they're at that point, you're, you're running on willpower. You're really running on like just over, just pushing through everything. And, and two, what I hear from guys is, you know, I used to be able to wake up, go to the gym, go to work, come home, play with my kids, eat dinner, cook dinner, go to bed and feel good. And now I had a patient on Tuesday and he's like, I have to choose. I have to choose. Do I go to the gym or do I play with my kids? I'm like, yeah. What kind of life is that? Like literally, and then for, for what sucks, what pisses me off so much is like to go into a doctor and you tell them that and they're like, well, your tea isn't like low enough to help you out. It's like. Yeah, it's, it's a tough position to be in. I understand completely yeah. as a guy with kids. And these are a lot of the guys that I work with as well. But it's, it's, it's the classic, you know, you really give everything you have to your job, to your business. You get home after a long day. And you want nothing more to spend time with your kids, but, but really to have the energy and the drive to spend time with your kids, to give your wife the attention she deserves. Mm -hmm. And it's just not there. And you're like, I just want to go lay on the couch and yeah. leave me the, you know, leave me alone. And yep. it's a, it's a horrible, guilty feeling to be there. And, you know, I mean, there's, that certainly happens aside from just having low testosterone, yes. but, 
But with, it seems to me that there's a couple different ways to approach the low testosterone. I mean, the reality is, you know, let's face it, when 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 clients come in and they say i'm doing everything right we know very well they're not doing everything right they're probably stressing too much they're drinking too much they're eating too much they're sleeping not enough you know so all of these things that should they get their lifestyle and nutrition in order likely would drive you know improved testosterone function Mm -hmm. but but and this is where i believe testosterone optimization really comes in Mm -hmm. is how much can we realistically do that? I think, I think you know, in the grand scheme of things, it should absolutely be something that we're striving for to, to, to build our quality of life such that obviously we're producing hormones effectively, but in the short term and or for an extended period of time, it can be a great option, in which case, you know, what does that look like? How does, you know, so you, a, a client comes in, you test testosterone and then sort of what's the process there? Well, what I always do, so my first visit's a good hour long and I, I get to know everything about my, my patient. And um, after that first hour, I will figure out what kind of lab tests that we need to run. But almost always I'm running hormones because hormones are like thyroid, testosterone, cortisol, basic, you know, liver, kidney panel and stuff. And, and I'm, I really push to run a micronutrient panel. You can look at actual vitamins and minerals for... For one example, we know lower levels of zinc, uh, selenium, magnesium can lo- lead to a testosterone deficiency. Yeah. So to me, it's like you said, like, okay, well, what lowers testosterone? When the guys come in, they have all these symptoms. I need to check these things off. But the problem is there's just so much now. We know just like the, the easiest thing to blame is cortisol, stress. Okay, when you're stressed, you release cortisol. Cortisol literally inhibits your mitochondria from pulling cholesterol in it and creating testosterone. It shuts it off. Okay, well, what causes stress? Not sleeping. Eating too much, eating everything too much we sugar, do. Pretty much everything. When people ask me, hey, how do I naturally increase my testosterone? I say, move to the country, plant you an organic garden, sleep yeah. nine hours a night, and have no stress. And yeah, like, get away, saying, get away from your cell phones, get away from Wi Fi, throw it all out, blue lie. And that's what I tell my patients. But when like you're a CEO or you're running, you're running a business, like, it's like, doc, I can't, I can't, I can't do that. We just live in an environment now that mm-hmm. is so inconducive to having optimal testosterone. Can it happen 100%? It's kind of it's just kind of an uphill battle at that point. So my job as an naturopath, the doctor, is having these conversations with people and like, look, these are your options. You can cut back on the stress. You can do this, this, and this. But with your testosterone being this low, so guys who have lower testosterone, increased chance, increased chance for Alzheimer's, increased chance for heart disease, increased chance for diabetes, increased chance for prostate cancer, overall increased chance of death. Okay, they had this like huge meta-analysis study where they showed people who had higher levels lived longer of testosterone. So we need to do what we can to to nurture those levels. And like I said, and on my end, I meet the patient where they're at. So I talk to them like, hey, so one thing is with testosterone optimization, the easiest way is to give actual testosterone, which is a pharmaceutical, it's bioidentical, and you do it by IM or sub-Q injection once, twice a week. Sometimes people are going three to four times every day now. that's kind of the direct way. And when I, I talk to my patients about, it, I'm like, you know, we're in LA and you want to get to New York. Easiest and you know, easiest way to get there, first class seat, um, you fly straight in. That's that's to me, that's taking testosterone. Now yeah. you can you can backpack across the country or you can take a car, you know, ACG Clomid, which I will use in younger guys to preserve fertility. But when you are really gonna go the natural route. Um, I, I equate that more to backpacking. Like you're going to have to put some real, some real time and effort in. It's going to take a lot longer. And, and 
in all honesty, I just, I've tried that a lot with my patients because I'm an naturopath, the doctor. I don't want to, I don't want to have to use any drugs, but on the other end, what are other things that make people's testosterone lower? Blood pressure medications, opiates, alcohol, statins, like almost right. every drug out there lowers the testosterone. So it's almost at the place where I have to use it to kind of combat all this other stuff kind of going on. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And, and that's the key though, is, is meeting them where they're at, you helping them understand like this is a process. There's a reason why your testosterone levels are so low, um, it, you know, barring any other obviously clinical diagnosis, but just yeah. from, from a, you know, lifestyle nutrition standpoint. And, and then understanding like, look, this is something that we can do to help you improve your quality of life. Um, but, you know, within that is, so, let, so let's say someone does start using testosterone, you know, they're, they're undergoing testosterone optimization therapy. Now, what I'm experiencing with clientele, because I do have a, a good handful of clients that are on testosterone optimization as sort of middle-aged guys that are in this position that we're talking about, now we're starting to to see, and maybe it's not starting, but it's becoming more conventional wisdom as to how men are so very different in terms of the type uh, dosing, the frequency, sort of the intensity. Let's dive into that just a little bit because I really want to help guys understand that the classic route, because there's a lot of and this doesn't make it right or wrong, but there's a lot of, of conventional medical doctors that are prescribing just one way and one way only. There's a lot of naturopathic doctors that are prescribing one way and one way only. And it's just their kind of conventional wisdom, but, it, but they're not reading between the lines. So being on the forefront of testosterone optimization and, and the people that you surround yourself with what are we seeing in terms of dosing, frequency, type, intensity? Mm -hmm. So in school, and, and as a naturopathic doctor, I'm very lucky that I do get exposure to that. You know, most endocrinologists and most MDs only get taught, you know, 200 milligrams of testosterone once a month or whatever it is for, for like people with prolactinomas, for people that have testicular damage, um, idiopathic low testosterone. Um, luckily for me, uh, I did learn in school the kind of a, a standard protocol of 200 milligrams of testipinate uh, once a week. And yeah. so I've been out of school now for two years and I was doing that pretty regularly. And I would see some, some decent amount of side effects like guys, their estrogen would go up and at not, I'm not demonizing estrogen. We can get into that, yep. uh, but I did see more fluid retention. I did see a little more mood swings and I went just from going once a week to twice a week because a lot of guys too you got to meet them where they're at some guys don't want to inject themselves every day and you know i know like i've talked to jay but i was like you make those yeah make them inject you know every day man that's the optimal way and i'm like yeah and i agree with them but also some people like you again meeting them where they're at so a lot of these people i just moved from once a week to twice a week and i noticed a substantial difference in their levels um blood pressure going sometimes blood pressure can go up um mm -hmm. when you first start trt but having having one big bolus, like 200 milligrams once a week, your levels are going to go up. And then seven days later, you're going to be halfway back down and then you reshoot up. Whereas if you're doing it every three to four days, it's going to just going to give you uh, uh, more often stable levels. Yeah, that but, makes sense. But again, like every guy's different. Some guys feel fine on once a week. Some guys feel fine doing it twice a week. So again, on my end, I, you know, guy comes in for a visit. I run the labs, they follow up and I say, hey, let's give you a run of testosterone. Me personally, I check in in six weeks. Some doctors say three months, six months. 
I, I, I'm a little, maybe it's because I'm younger in my career, but I, I want to know what's going on in these guys' lives, number one. I want to make a relationship with them because I generally like people. Um, but also, when they're six weeks in and they're holding more water in their legs, uh, I had a patient that he was running about three to four miles a day, and uh, he had all the symptoms of low T, specifically more ED. We put him on testosterone, and then by the following week, he was running 10 miles a day, and then I checked in on him and he was like, oh, I'm cramping a lot and all this stuff. Is it the testosterone? And I'm like, okay, what'd you do differently? He's like, well, I ran 10 miles yesterday and nine miles the night before. And I'm like, okay, man. But guys don't think about that. You know, they literally, they're like, oh, it's the testosterone that's giving me this or giving me that. And I'm like, okay, well, you're probably dehydrated. It was 90 degrees and you're running more. Yeah, I mean- so like you said, we got to take a real individualized approach with these guys. And there's a lot of testosterone mill clinics that just say, hey, here's your dose. See you later. Good luck. And, um, it's unfortunate because there is, there is even some benefit in that, but, um, you know, really you're going to be better off trying to find a doctor that's going to take the time to learn about you and then mix in other things like, okay, where, where's your cortisol at? Where are your micronutrients at? Where's your thyroid at? Where are all these other things? Because it's not a magic bullet. Like you were saying earlier, like there are plenty of other things that, that need to be honed in on, you know, lifestyle, blood pressure. Um, so it's really individualized. Yeah. So, but that's really important you know, because when we talk about the frequency of the dosing, irrespective of the fact that they can be feeling fine or or continue to feel good, maybe regardless of when they dose, Mm -hmm. um, what happens with maybe other blood markers? So I've seen, obviously, let's jump into estrogen a little bit, because a lot of guys are concerned, a lot of doctors are concerned about estrogen levels getting too high, which is why pretty much all of the time when guys are prescribed testosterone, they'll also be prescribed um, an aromatase inhibitor or an estrogen blocker. So that estrogen levels don't get too high. So I want to talk about why that potentially might be contraindicated, but also why we see under certain dosing regimens, let's just say once a week, Mm -hmm. why estrogen would potentially go very high in addition to, to some other blood markers, um, for for example, we may see what what is it like hematocrit? My- yeah, hemoglobin and hematocrit RBCs. Yeah, yeah I would- can touch a little bit on that. Um, so just as far as estrogen, these are things you probably already know. And um, but basically, what happens is if you're giving a big bolus of testosterone, and the way I kind of explained it is like if you have a bucket and there's kind of like small holes in it. Um, you pour the water in the bucket and then your body converts testosterone into estrogen. Now, if you give it too much and that bucket overflows, you're going to be spilling over a whole bunch of testosterone. So like you're saying, if you're giving these big boluses from what I've seen in my patient, they have a tendency to over aromatize, which makes sense. Like you have an overabundance amount of testosterone, your body literally wants a ratio between estrogen and testosterone. And like you're saying, estrogen is important in guys. It's good for their brain. It's good for their boners. It's good for their blood vessels. And again, when I was taught in school that high amounts of estrogen can, can mess with your erections, I do see that, but not as often as I, as I kind of thought. So again, early on in my, um, in my practice, I was giving a lot of guys um, aromatase inhibitors and trying to keep that estrogen down to like the 30. And so, since then, so I don't, I, I'm sorry to interrupt, but yeah. I think what you said is so important. Estrogen is good yes. for men. And that is, uh, I think, something that we, we don't hear about from doctors. We, we learn, and, and myself as a health practitioner, you know, when I'm speaking with doctors about clientele, 
especially conventionally trained doctors, is we learn to look at total testosterone. We learn, we learn to look at free testosterone and we learn to look at estrogen, but we learn to look at estrogen as being something that needs to be tightly regulated and not allowed to go too high, not as something that's beneficial. So let's talk about dig into the benefits just a little bit and and why the standards might not be appropriate. Mm-hmm. And one of the main things I and I see this because I I'll be honest I practiced wrong like I was giving all these guys aromatase inhibitors and what I would see is more so mood and kind of disconnected to life. Um on top of you know and usually testosterone kind of fixes that but but and I'm still trying to figure this out just from clinically practicing and anecdotally putting pictures together. Um in myself, when I've measured my estrogen and it's sitting at a 60 to 70, which most people be like, oh my God, that's yeah. terrible. Your estrogen's yeah. high. You're going to get fat. And I'm also pretty lean to begin with. So I right. think, again, it's individualized. If there's, a really, if there's a really overweight guy, he's probably going to be aromatizing more because estrogen is produced from your fat. But mm-hmm. we don't, I don't think there's been an actual study that, that's shown that. Um, we do, it's still kind of, again, controversial and also individualized. But we do know, number one thing is bone health. And if you follow Jay and Jay had, um, I wasn't Meham. It was one of his other doctors on there. Mer- uh, I can't think of the Polish guy's name, but he was just showing, you know, the DEXA scans. He had these guys, these guys were on an astrazole for so long and their, and their bones were, 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 you know, 20 years older than they were supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the real side effect of that is like when you got guys on testosterone and they're, they're feeling good, they're in the gym, they're putting on a lot of heavy weight and they're putting on this muscle, you need strong bones to kind of go with that, right? So if you're squatting all that weight, you know, you got to have strong bones. And to, and to be clear is what the doctor was suggesting is that from extended aromatase inhibitor use, like a Rimidex, like an estrazole, it was actually uh, contributing to reduced bone health. Yes, 100%. 100%. And that, I mean, that's where, it, and he's seen more patients than I have at this point. I've not done, I've only done a handful of DEXA scans. Again, I'm, I am starting to implement that a little bit more like everyone else. I'm perfecting my craft. Of course. Um, so trying to figure that out, but it, it makes, I mean, it makes, it makes perfect sense to me, right? Like that, you know, estrogen goes down in women and that's why they get a lot of bone problems when they get older. Yeah. So, but, and then too, you know, estrogen's a hormone of, you know, a lot of people think mood swings, but a lot of times with women, that's just, that's an estrogen progesterone imbalance. Right. But you know, estrogen, again, at least in, in, on my end, when my estrogen's in, in a little bit higher, I feel more moved. I don't necessarily feel moody, but like when I watch a movie, I get a little bit like, oh man, that was great. Like, I like that. You know, like it's anything when I'm motivated, like I can get chills down my neck and I noticed I took an aromatase inhibitor for several weeks and I noticed that it, I felt like it kind of blunted me a little and so bit. So you started watching it. You started watching the notebook and yeah, and crying. I was like crying at the notebook. Crawling, cr- in, I, I actually know I watched I, I watched Lord of the Rings and at the end of Lord of the Rings. I was a little bit moved. Like I was excited. Like I could feel more attached yeah. to yeah. life and stuff. And so, um, again, I don't have a whole lot of uh, you know, uh, double blind placebo control trials showing that. But to me, it also makes sense that if you come in and your total testosterone's three hundred and your estrogen's thirty, so you have a ten to one ratio. If your testosterone goes up to a thousand, I would think that your estrogen would want to go up a little bit. You know, sure. maybe like you know twenty thirty percent to kind of balance out. But and again, another way to balance estrogen is you don't need to be using these ant- these um, aromatase inhibitors. You can take DEM. You can take uh, be- uh, glucuron. Uh, Calcium 
glucose, glucose, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, into fiber, all those things help your liver work more optimal and your body will find balance. Um, you know, again, staying away from the alcohol, make sure that you're getting enough sleep. Um, all those will help. And I've seen it in guys. I've seen it just using those supplementation, lowering their, their estrogen levels. So, yeah. So to go back to the, the original, um, uh, the original point is mm -hmm. that estrogen isn't a bad thing. No. And when it comes to the dosing of the testosterone, um, it seems that men can control it better by modifying the frequency of their dosing and obviously the amount of their dosing. So whether, so obviously moving away from one time per week and going to two or more times a week to the degree mm -hmm. that there's a lot of guys that are even dosing daily at yep. a, obviously a reduced amount, which not only helps them feel better, but also uh, has better effects on their lipid, uh, on their blood work panels, mm -hmm. their lipid panels, obviously their total estrogen production as it's showing up on their blood work. 100% you wrap that up perfectly. So and I think that's where we are kind of going with everything. It's just, again, one of those things, some guys don't want to inject themselves every day. And, you know, I'll let them know, I'm like, hey, this is the most optimal way to do it. Um, where do you what will you be compliant with? Because that's the other problem is doctors are yeah. like, this is what you need to do and need to do it. And a lot of times I'm like, dude, you know, I know you I like I met you, you're afraid of needles, you're not going to do it every day. Yeah. So let's try this. Can we do this first? And then you know, you slowly kind of move them. And then look, if they, they come in, they have side effects. I'm like, hey, you're having this side effect because you're not doing it the most optimal way. So let's yeah. work on moving it to a more optimal way. I'll be honest with you, man. I don't think it this is common knowledge. And I know this is not common knowledge. Yeah. And I, so I believe that th there's so much value in this conversation that we're having to help men understand that it's up to them to be oh, yeah. proactive about this approach and not, you know, obviously they need to listen to their, their medical professional. Mm -hmm. um, but within that is they need to be astute as to the effects and, you know, possibly experimenting with their, dosing with the timing, um, with the frequency and paying attention to doing enough blood tests to actually get objective data. Because I can't tell you how many guys I speak with that say, yeah, they're on TRT, but they don't check their estrogen levels. Uh, they're not even checking their blood work enough mm -hmm. uh, it, to the degree that they haven't checked testosterone levels in six or more months. Mm -hmm. And they're still using testosterone therapy. So I'm like, how do you know if it's working? How do you even know what your levels are? Mm -hmm. I don't. Well, that's just, I mean, that's being negligent. Yeah, no, I, and I've seen that. I've seen guys come from other clinics and they see me and their total testosterone is like two or 3000. And I'm like, whoa, what are you doing? Like, and again, and that's one of the more I won't say dangers, but if you're going to switch your dosing up, so testosterone sipinate has a seven day half-life, right? So if you do 200 today, this time next week, you'll have a hundred left in your blood. And then if you add another 200, then you're at 300 for the day, yeah, right? right? So you slowly climb. And the thing is, if you have a seven-day half-life and you're injecting every three to four days, it will be building more often and quicker. So yeah. that's why, and again, I don't like treating labs, okay? So like I, I, I always get labs because they're kind of like a map. But again, I will often, I'm trying to get, you know, symptom resolution is kind of what we're, what we're aiming for. But if you don't have a point of reference, then you don't really kind of know. And, yeah. and again, too, so 
there's really no research again to show that like super physiological levels are even that bad. Like I've never seen a research where it said guy has, you know, levels of 2000 for three years and he gets a heart attack or whatever. Like it just doesn't exist. Um, you look at a lot of these bodybuilders who are doing like three to four times what TRT does. Some of them do have some health problems in the long run, but we're still, to me, all the research out there, especially, you know, heart disease, uh, prostate, like all those things, like there's a lot of fear in this area, especially with side effects. But, um, you know, we're, uh, we're still kind of figuring it all out. But most yeah. of the evidence right now says it's, it's safe. But you need to do it safely. You need to be with a practitioner that's watching your levels to kind of figure out where you're at, how you're feeling, and staying out of, you know, I'm not going to put someone at 2,000 for, for five years because there's no yeah. evidence to say it's safe. But I know a, a physiological level of 1,000 is safe. So, yeah. Well, there's fear and there's stigma associated, but that's why it's so important to get this information out there mm-hmm. for general population and professionals to, to get justification that they can look outside of the conventional norms. It's hard, man. And it's scary. I'll be, I'll yeah. be dead honest. Like you know, I've been out of school only like a couple years. And so to start, start playing with a controlled substance and then being like, wow, man, you know, I just, this guy, this guy, I can tell, like you were like, these people walk in and they're like text. I, I had this guy like 48 walked in, couldn't get an erection. Okay. This was a messing with his life with his, his wife. Right. Like, so they're having stress there. He was running on three monsters a day. His blood mm-hmm. pressure was going up, could do maybe 10 pushups if he really tried and just overall fatigued. So I kind of looked at him, his, his levels were, were suboptimal, not, you know, not like 250. They're like three high 300s, low 400s. And so I'm like, Hey, let's, let's try this out because you are, you are textbook for low testosterone within six weeks, man, six weeks. He, you know, erections were so, Erections were strong. They were having sex like two to three times a week without any problems. Push-ups, he went from 10 to 40, and he quit out the monster energy drinks, and his blood pressure became was controlled. He went yeah. to his regular doctor, went to his regular doctor, okay? Blood levels came back like nine-something, which are super physiologic. And the doctor's like, oh, we, uh, I don't know about this. This can be bad for your heart. And I'm just like, you know, me, I'm like, okay, ND here. This is an MD, blah, 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 like, you know, primary care. And I'm just like, I just, when I sit back and I think, okay, so guy is stressed, not having good sex, on Monster Energy drinks, not going to the gym, fat and weak. And in six weeks, we can turn that around. And what do you say? Oh, this might be bad on your, for your health. I'm just yeah, like, it's like, I'm like, what, what, how is that? And I'm like, and, and I even told him because he came back and he was worried. And I, and I tell my patients this when they work with me. I'm like, look, I'm open-minded. I hit the research every day. And if someone can provide me with some evidence to say, this is bad for your heart, I'll, I, first I'll, sh- I'll show them 50 papers that show that it's not. But yeah. then I'll look into it and be like, okay, well, maybe let's, let's, let's adjust things here a little bit. But it's, um, like you said, there's just some stigma out there. And this person, like, they don't do testosterone replacement every day. I see 50 to 100 guys every month that are coming in that I have on therapy that I've had, they've been supervising me for the past two years. So I've seen most of the things I've seen what happens with, you know, prostate. I know what to do, you know, H and H. That was one thing we didn't talk about is that testosterone increases your, basically your red blood cells. And it also increases your hemoglobin hematocrit, which a lot of people think, you know, that's blood thickness that can be harder on the heart. Again, not proven. People in Denver have those levels all the time. Right. So again, not proven that high H and H, you know, will increase your uh, heart disease or congestive heart failure. But you know what I do do? I, I tell my guys, hey, still donate blood twice a year because it's actually good for you. And there's plenty of research right. to show that. So how do we, like you said, individualize. And then some guys, you know, you, you got to meet them where they at and figure out. I'm conservative enough if there's a rumor out there. I'm like, okay, if that rumor is even true, I'm still going to figure out a way around it. 
Yeah, that's a really good point. And to be fair, uh, and for those of you listening, this is not the wild west of, of testosterone optimization. I mean, there's plenty of research on testosterone oh, yeah. and there's plenty of research on estrogen and aromatase inhibitors and allowing and basically higher levels of estrogen and estrogen being, you know, bone protective and cardioprotective and, and all of those things. So we're not just, this isn't, you know, just do whatever we want. Um, it's, but also it is a lot of anecdotal evidence to boot. It's because in naturopathic medicine is, you know, you're actually listening to the client and you're paying attention to the symptoms and their quality of life and focusing on other things beyond just the labs and just the medications. Hey brother, are you struggling to find the energy to function at your best as a businessman, father, and husband? I want you to know you're not alone. And sadly, the conventional wisdom these days around healthy eating and exercise that has saturated the mainstream is flat out wrong. If you wanna find the solution to optimizing your energy and body composition without restrictive dieting, soul-crushing workouts, or adding more to your already stressful and overflowing schedule so that you can finally function like the man you know you can be, then we need to chat. Are you ready to move from exhausted to energized by working smarter, not harder? Go ahead and schedule your free strategy call at www.bslnutrition.com forward slash level up. I'm looking forward to our conversation and enjoy the rest of the show. So while we're on the topic of needles, I suppose, let's, <laughs> let's segue into talking about peptides because it's frankly it's something I don't know very much about, but I'm very interested in, and I've had a lot of questions about it. So maybe you could kind of just generally talk about what peptides are, how they can potentially be beneficial, and and kind of when and where we would use them. Yeah, the peptides are are, are really cool because a lot of your listeners probably know you have amino acids, and then amino acids come together to form a peptide, and right. then a lot of peptides form a protein. So one of the advantages of the peptides is that the molecules are very simple. Uh, they don't have long acting, many of them don't have long acting effects on the body. Um, just to compare two different ones for um, medications for um, testosterone. Clomid is an, uh, clomiphene citrate is an off-label use that is actually used for women to increase their fertility. But for guys, we do see that it increases their testosterone. Um, but there's a other molecule, and I'm pretty sure it's a peptide, it's, and it's called N-clomiphene citrate. So Clomid has a seven-day half-life. This N-clomiphene citrate has a 10-hour half-life. So one of the benefits of these peptides is that they're just, they're very safe. Um, and they're, but they're also new. We don't have a whole lot of research on most of the peptides, but from everything that we can tell, they're just, they're super safe to begin with. I didn't realize yeah. that I, I didn't realize that Clomid was actually a peptide. That's interesting. Clomid, Clomid isn't the enclomiphene citrate, and I could okay. be wrong about this too. But one, what the, the example and what I was trying to prove is that Clomid has a seven-day half-life, and enclomiphene okay. citrate, and it may not even be a peptide because it gets confusing with the length and how big they are. But I get these from TaylorMade out of Kentucky. Um, Ryan Smith's a great guy. I don't know if you talked to him. I, I heard your podcast. I thought it was very informative. Yeah, go check that one out. And if not, you need to get him on the podcast because he's, uh, he's great, man. He really knows his stuff. Um, but basically, the peptides, I would say the main one that came out with the, was the Samoralin. And that's basically, it helps with increasing your body's own production of growth hormone. Um, okay. 
Okay, gotcha. And, and so the thing is with your growth hormone, it's, it's a lot like testosterone is that your growth hormone tends to decrease as you age. And at, with decreased growth hormone, you get a decrease in you know, like skin elasticity, uh, muscle growth, tendon regrowth, all those things. That's what growth hormone is responsible for. Um, and so as we're aging, if you have suboptimal levels of growth hormone, you're going to be slow to all those things. Now, there is kind of a, of a debate with growth hormone in general, whether or not to use it, um, because this isn't like actual taking GH. You know, uh, actual GH, you're going to have super, super physiological levels. It's basically almost impossible to get GH because you need to have um, an actual diagnosis of low growth hormone to get that. But right. What peptides can do is help your body optimize. So if you're at your levels are like 150, you can get up to 250 to 300. Um, I'm currently taking MK677. Abutam, I got to remember. I always forget them all by their numbers. Abutamortin, abuta. Anyways, it's a growth hormone uh, agonist, so it helps your body produce more growth, growth hormone. And what I notice, I notice better pumps in the gym, and I notice uh, deeper and better sleep. Now, what's great about MK677 is that it is orally bioavailable. One of the problem with most of these, these other like peptides like Samorolin, Amplomorolin, um, CJ1295, they're not very uh, available uh, orally. Your, your stomach acid will break them down. So you do have to do a subcutaneous injection. And again, one of the other arguments that when you're taking these things, um, growth hormone works, you know, it's the opposite of insulin right? So yeah. you, have, you have growth hormone and cortisol on the right and you have insulin on the left. So if you eat anything that's going to give you some type of blood sugar response, then you release insulin, it can blunt the amount of growth hormone. So taking these before bed can kind of be counterproductive. I do have a patient, he's taking, it's called CJ, uh, CJC1295 plus Amplomorlin. One's a growth hormone secretagrog and one's an analog. So basically you just have two ways of your body increasing its growth hormone. And he's actually taking it in the morning, um, but he's also doing intermittent fasting. Okay, so again, interesting. We're really, to me, we're still kind of figuring out how to use these things, but he's gotten a lot bigger. Like I just like muscular wise, his skin looks better. He just, in his face, he's like, man, I feel like I look, look younger. My, my hair feels like it's coming in thicker. So um, you know, there's, and there's a handful of other ones that GHRP, I've not played with any of those. Those I've only played with a couple of them. So, so, okay. So these are basically proteins. They're, they're components of proteins that you would take either orally or inject subcutaneously that are going to help with your body's natural production of growth hormone. Now, mm -hmm. What I, so I have a couple questions related sure. to that. First is what would some of the contraindications be? My first thought is mm -hmm. if we're talking about growth hormone, then and and increasing growth hormone, do we need to be concerned about, for example, like cancer growth yes. and and you know obviously other growth in the body because it's it's very correlated to growth hormone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, really, that's to minor saying one of the only major contraindications to using any type of growth hormone um, um, optimization therapy would be cancer. Because obviously, if you have a tumor, those, those suckers like to just suck everything up and grow. So if you're giving it more growth hormone, definitely contraindicated there. Yeah. Um, besides that, I don't... Yeah. So there was some research specifically with Samorlin. Again, Samorlin was like the OG. It's like the original one. I think yeah, they started sure. using it like 70s, 80s. 
And what they did find is it, it, I think it messed with your, the prolactin and the cortisol levels a little bit, increasing it. Cause like I talked about cortisol and growth hormone can increase together. Um, but to my understanding with the MK677 and the, uh, the CJC1295 Amplomorlin, we're not seeing that as much, but also I think the GHRP is better at increasing growth hormone, but it, it often does raise up your cortisol. So, you know, it's kind of a give and a take with most of these peptides and figuring out what your goals are. It's that's it, it, that's very interesting. It, I mean, I haven't spoken with many clinicians that are actually utilizing these peptides. Now, is this something that you're seeing being utilized in practice, or do you feel like it's more uh, behind the scenes? people utilizing and ordering it online. Yeah. What's going my, on there? My, my, my first exposure was, I think my third year in medical school, I had some of my friends who are just, you know, they're optimized geeks like us, you know, yeah. they're hitting the gym, playing with things. And they had asked me about specifically what was called BPC-157 at the time. Right. Okay. BPC-157 stands for body protecting compound. And it was originally designed, uh, they were using on rats to heal stomach ulcers. And they saw they showed great stuff, and they're actually doing more research now on like UC Crohn's disease, um, ulcers in the stomachs, um, stomachs in your stomach. And uh, I remember hearing about that. I'm like, I'm like, hey, I'm the doctor. I know all this stuff. You know who? You know. And I went online because I thought it was just another gimmicky thing, like deer mm -hmm. antler spray or whatever is out there. And uh, no, man, when I went on and I saw there was some actual research being done on it, um, you know, I had a patient with carpal tunnel. And he did a subcutaneous shot into the stomach and then he actually shot the rest of it um, uh, orally because BPC does work orally as well. And his carpal tunnel went away. Um, and I've heard it like I've heard a handful of kind of situations like that. I've been using it and I have had some elbow tendonitis and I think it's helping, but I also think that it's helped my digestion as well. So, so again, you, you would use it. So you inject into the joint. Or subcutaneously. So the first couple of times I actually did a subcutaneous injection near my elbow. Yeah. The first couple of times. Um, but, and then when I was kind of talking, I, I talked about this on one of my podcasts with Dr. Drew Timmermans. He's using BPC-157. He's actually in Arizona. I think oh, I'd probably like to talk to him. He does a lot of stem cells and, and stuff. Oh yeah, I would love to. Um, and uh, he was using it. What is he, what is he telling me? When, he, he noticed with a patient, he was using it for a musculoskeletal issue. And it worked on the GI issue. You know, the person's like, yes. it's not helping here, but my stomach's better. He's like, oh, well, you know, it's maybe it's kind of going to where it, it, it needs to go. We know that kind of with stem cells, they, they have like homing mechanisms and they're going to find out in the body where it needs to go most. Um, and I, I, that's kind of my feeling right now with the BPC-157 because I have, I've had some chronic GI issues as well. And since using it, I feel like my digestion has improved. Uh, my elbows maybe 10 to 20% better. Wasn't, wasn't. Like, oh man, my elbow was fixed instantaneously. And, but to, to be honest, I'm pretty sure that's how people found out it was used for musculoskeletal issues was bodybuilders, you know, like 10, 20 years ago, were like, hmm, this works on the stomach. All right. You know, maybe I'll inject it in my delt, you know, right. and I remember watching YouTube videos a couple years ago of guys using it like that. So, but like you said, one of the big dangers is like, it's it's in a weird area to my understanding of FDA regulation because it doesn't need to be re regulated because it's such a small molecule. Right. And um, but you can't you can't like you can't really manufacture it and sell it yet. I don't know. It's it's a confusing area. You'd probably be better off talking to Ryan Smith about that. But a lot of people are buying them online, and that scares me, man. Just because I've used a couple of these things, I've seen them do great things, 
and I want to continue to use them. And unfortunately, like Ephedra, if someone starts going, goes online, buys BPC-157, the bottle go rancid, they inject it in the joint, and then it goes septic and they die, then the rest of us all get, you know, you know, we all get in trouble and we don't get to use the stuff anymore. So, so, so the answer would be find a clinician yes, that's yeah. utilizing it like you in their practice. Yeah. I mean, and I'm biased obviously because I'm a doctor. So I'm like, Hey, come and see me. But well, I mean, you're, 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 you're playing with, you're playing with fire. It's just like buying testosterone from your guy from your gym. I get all my stuff from a compounding pharmacy that has regulations. And yeah. number one, when you're buying stuff from the gym, you're like, you don't know. I had friends in high school that, that would get their testosterone from a coal miner. This guy would make it in his garage. I'm just like, guys, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. So, okay. That's super interesting. And, and you know, it's funny. It's same, same story about BP 157. I had a couple buddies cause I played rugby for a long time. So now we're all old men and we're all doing everything we can to like fix our, the joints that we trashed over the last 15 years. Yeah. But, um, so I was looking into BP 157 and, uh, and I, you know, stumbled on a lot of like really good research um, mm -hmm. about it. So I'm, pr I'm pretty interested, pretty interested, but I've never tried any of this, any of this stuff. So my, my other concern though, speaking of the peptides and speaking of growth hormone is if we're implementing something that's going to help our body's natural production, what happens when we stop implementing it? Is it, yeah. is it going to be negative implications? So it, it kind of brings us back to the testosterone thing. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. the way I explain it to someone it, I don't think so with the peptides as much. And even with testosterone, I almost always see everyone's levels kind of bounce back. So the way I explain, it's like you're in your living room watching TV and you want 10 pizzas. So you have a chef in your kitchen. You say, hey, I would like 10 pizzas. Chef she brings, did. Yeah, yeah, she did. <laughs> chef brings you 10 pizzas. Everything's good. Now say that you ask for 10 and he brings back five. And you're like, oh, well, hey, you know, you shorted me five. Bring me 15 this time. And then he brings you five again. Okay, now you're pissed off. You're like, I'm really hungry. I'm calling the pizza boy. Okay, that's exogenous testosterone. That's like, I'm going to bring testosterone outside of what's made in my body. Yeah. But what happens then is like, well, I don't need, your chef's like, well, screw you. I'm not cooking you pizza anymore. And that's your testes. So your testes kind of shut down. Now, the reality of the situation with testosterone is, is like, we know levels will continue to decline no matter how healthy you are. So the reality of the situation is like, if, if at 40, say your level is 500, Okay, say at 40 or at 500, you get on T for 10 years, okay? Mm -hmm. When you get off T, your natural progression was going to be lower than 410 years anyways, right? Like you would have been at 300 by the time you're 50. So, you know, yeah. when you get on the T and you ride it for 10 years, you're going to go down and you're going to, a lot of times what I see is they'll, they'll go, they'll be on T, they'll drop down to like 150, 200, and then within like a month, they'll kind of bump back up to about 300, where their T would have been. And yeah. I don't know enough with the growth hormone to be blatantly honest to, I haven't, I haven't done enough testing and I'm still trying to figure out if I want to measure IGF, if I want to measure growth hormone, because it's interesting how, how quickly those levels um, will shift. And most of the studies, growth hormone's highest right when you go to sleep that first hour. And there are studies like on MK677 showing it increases the growth hormone for that, that time period. But you're, I don't think like you would see an afternoon increase in IGF-1 or in growth hormone because it's just more of a cyclical hormone. But I don't know. I'm still, you know, like anyone else, I'm still figuring it out. Yeah, I think it's an interesting perspective um, as far as saying, look, unless you're going to, unless you're going to, you know, drastically change your lifestyle, mm -hmm. your levels aren't going to improve. So if you go down the road of optimization, okay, great. So you do it as long as you're going to do it. But by going down that route, that, that may be enough impetus to get you to mm -hmm. 
start to improve your nutrition and lifestyle and sleep and stress management because it's giving you the jump start to help you feel better. And, and even if it's, even if it's, there's like a little placebo element to be like, yeah, now I'm taking testosterone. So I'm going to start going to the gym more frequently because of, you know, because I want to start to put on more muscle mass and, and all of those things. Yeah, no. And that's like, and that's again, meeting the patient where they're at, you give them a little jolt. I just, the thing that gets a little bit frustrating for me is um, you know, say a guy walks in and he's kind of has like a low T picture and his levels are just say, say they're 350 to 400 and we should be talking in free testosterone, free testosterone is more important, but for just to keep it simplistic, people understand like total levels easier. So say he's like 350 and, um, you know, we do everything right for three to six months and by, you know, going to the gym, working on all these things, I, I, you know, in my experience, you can see his levels maybe go up a hundred, 150 kind of like and max. And the, the problem with that is we often don't get a whole lot of symptom resolution. You know, like they're like, yeah, my level's higher, but I don't really feel it. And I've done that even with lower doses. Like I have guys in their late thirties and I put them on ACG and say their levels are like 250, 300. Mm -hmm. And I, I put them on lower amounts of ACG where they only get up to five to 600 and they don't really notice it. And then all of a sudden, bam, we hit like eight, 900. They're like, oh doc, I feel it. I feel everything. Yeah. So that's one of the more frustrating things is like if a patient's going to do it. And this was, I, I worked on this one guy for about a year. Cause I just want to give you too much HCG cause it's controversial whether or not it can burn out your Lydex cells. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I believe in that, but again, I'm just conservative with things. And so we slowly raised him up and it wasn't until that he got over 600 than until he noticed like an increase in the libido an increase in the energy and everything. And, um, and to be clear, you gave HCG with it to help preserve, um, testosterone or to preserve sperm function? Yeah. So we're learning a couple of things. It used to be you would just put guys on testosterone and thought everything was a-okay. But now we're realizing that, so your brain produces a signal called LH and then LH goes to your testes and then that produces testosterone. But what we're also figuring out is that LH keeps some of your cholesterol synthesis pathways alive. So cholesterol gets turned into pregnenolone and then right. progesterone and all these other things. And LH is one of the, um, uh, activators of those pathways. So when we start giving testosterone, the body doesn't produce LH anymore. So it doesn't keep the pregnenolone, DHE, and progesterone alive. So usually we don't see symptoms in that usually for about a year or two. And I've only had a couple guys that I'm like, okay, it might be time to supplement with like DHEA, pregnenolone, progesterone. Um, but usually it's been, and I'm starting to implement that now. It's guys who've been on the therapy for like 10 years. But yeah, um, give, yeah so giving testosterone can make your testes shrink. Okay. Because again, I you turn the oven off, what's going to happen? The oven's going to stop being used. Yeah. And so HCG and Clomid for that matter will both increase testicular function. It will increase your ejaculatory load and make you more fertile. So you don't necessarily need to come off of testosterone to get, uh, to get, uh, fertile. And a lot of guys even on testosterone are still able to conceive, but again, a negative stigma, but I, I always put guys on HCG to, uh, to keep them fertile. Well, I'm glad we talked about that because I think that it's a common misconception and that a lot of people think that HCG is simply part of that low calorie dieting. While oh, it is, yeah. Yeah. it's also used beneficially with testosterone optimization. Now, I got a question for you. Have you seen an actual research study that shows that HCG uh, helps with weight loss on its own? Because to me, it's more- No, I've seen, I've, I've seen it's all, uh, it's the same as far as- if you take a 500 calorie diet with HCG and a 500 calorie diet without this, the weight loss is the same. Yeah. <laughs> so. I will say this. So I'm, um, t uh, you know, HCG will increase your testosterone. So testosterone, increased muscle mass, incre it'll do all these other things that will be good for weight loss. And also 
if I can remember right, testosterone increases T4 to T3 conversion. So it'll increase your, your thyroid more in a more downstream, but I don't know exactly how. Well, the problem I have is, and this is after countless uh, clientele that have been through multiple rounds of HCG for the purpose of weight loss is what happens to thyroid output and what happens to metabolic output or oh um, it's gonna crash anyways it's gonna crash yeah because they've just gone so low for so long and that's ultimately why I have such a big problem with HCG diets and there's some big companies out here like Red Mountain Weight Loss um, that you know are killing it and and people just they're, they're getting suckered into these 500 calorie diets. They lose weight over the short term, but you obviously who can maintain 500 calories. Yeah. Uh, it just doesn't make any sense. And they're doing long-term damage to the degree that it takes us a while to really get them back to, in fact, I shared, I, I shared something on um, Instagram in my stories the other day. I had a guy who I started working with. He was at like 280 he had uh, been through a couple rounds of HCG. He wasn't eating very much. He was exercising a lot and he was stuck. Mm-hmm. And we really had to kind of backtrack, get him eating a little more frequently, increase his protein intake. Um, and we're able to start to stimulate more metabolic output to the degree that he was able to drop about 30 pounds at 12 weeks. But and there was obviously a couple other things that we did to help improve blood sugar and and um, strength training and stuff like that. But the point is, I- I'm just not a fan. Um, yeah, I'm- well, a 500 calorie diet, people, your testosterone is going to be in the tank, okay? Biology is smart. Your body is smart. And the way I equate this to a lot of people is like, okay, say you're building like a new tribe. You're just out in the woods and you only have so much wood, okay? Now, if you only have so much wood, are you going to build your? A, are you gonna build a bigger house? Or are you going to use that wood to burn a, a fire to keep you warm? Now, if you have an abundance of wood, then you can do both. But your body is always going to prioritize producing energy. And like you're saying, your body is going to adapt. It's going to lower its testosterone. And then you're really like, you're really in a bad place. And yeah. we've seen that with a lot of bodybuilders. When they get down to competition prep, um, they have they have hypo, hypogonadism. They have low testosterone. And um, and that that affects your, your erections. I try and tell guys all the time, like um, – and this is more sympathetic, parasympathetic, but you're, you're in the woods and you see a bear, right? right? Now, unless you're really attracted to bears, it's not the best time to pop an erection, okay? Exactly. Your physiology is smart. Your physiology says, get the hell out of there. All your blood from your internal organs is going to go to your muscles and your brains to run, okay? But what do you think your, bo- your, body, your body says? There's a bear around, not time to reproduce. Um, <laughs> you know, basically there. That's it. So in order to get a good heart erection, you need to be in a parasympathetic state. You need to be relaxed. And testosterone decreases anxiety and it decreases uh, depression. So it makes you feel more comfortable. It makes you feel like, oh, it's time to reproduce. My testosterone's high. My diet's good. My energy levels are great. Time to reproduce. So again, low T is a, you know, a lot of times it's going to give you poor erections too. Yeah. Well, that's, it's all really good points and we're absolutely on the same page. So I want to finish off with, um, kind of a, a scenario here. So, and, and I want your input as far as for, for those of you listening, I really want some tangible action steps and I'm going to relate this back to me. So I'm a 39 okay. year old male okay. and I want to, it's been quite a while. It, it's actually been, I'm kind of embarrassed to say, but it's, it's probably been like two years since I've had blood work done and really looked at my testosterone levels. I was doing it frequently before then. 
um, all good and well, and I've never gone down the route of testosterone optimization, but I'm at a point where I want to know what's going on. And mm -hmm. so I want to know, okay, I'm going to go into my doctor or I'm going to, I'm, well, me, I'm just going to order this stuff myself. But let's yeah. just say, you know, mm -hmm. I'm a, a regular dude. I don't have access to these labs. I'm going to go into my doctor. What am I going to ask for as far as, as blood work? And let's take both the conventional route. So let's start with the conventional route. I know I need blood work. I know I need testosterone run. What do I need to do to justify getting testosterone run, if anything, from a conventional, from the conventional route and what should I look for? Yeah. I mean, most doctors to minor standing now, just talking to my patients will listen to you at least to at some extent. So if you come in and you say, Hey, my energy's run down. One of the bigger things you have, what's called an Adams questionnaire. You guys can look that up. That's for um, androgen deficiency. And that basically says that if you're having erection problems or you're having low libido, you pretty much are, uh, you should be considered for having low testosterone. It's that's a really good point. So I want to be clear that you have to specify that that's an issue. Mm -hmm. um, if this isn't just, if you go in just kind of, hey, I'm just kind of curious about my testosterone levels, like from conventional labs, you mm -hmm. they have to have a reason to run those tests. And so in my particular case, like I feel like my sleep sucks. I feel like my energy is not where it should be, mm -hmm. but I'm in a position where I'm just not sure because my sleep sucks <laughs> yeah. and I train really hard you know, four days a week. So I'm not sure if it's a product of that or if I should naturally just have more energy than I have. I feel like brain fog might be an issue. Well, it's definitely an issue. Some definitely some cognitive, uh, cognitive issues going on. Mm -hmm. um, libido's not bad, but probably not where it should be mm -hmm. uh, being 39 year old dude. Um, so those would definitely be something that I would bring up if mm -hmm. I'm going into the doctor. Definitely. Yeah. And, uh, muscle, you know, weight loss or weight, weight gain. Another one, muscle loss, you know, are also, uh, for, uh, testosterone. And I mean, most doctors even now you can kind of tell them what you want. Um, and they'll at least kind of entertain it and be like, you know, you should always get a CBC CMP. Those are just, that's liver, kidney function, red and white blood cells. Um, testosterone. I personally, with all of my patients, I calculate their free testosterone. Um, testosterone, you need a testosterone, a sex hormone binding globulin and an albumin. So if you get a sex hormone binding globulin done, um, and then you get a CMP done because the CMP has an albumin in it and your total testosterone, okay. you can calculate it. You can go online and calculate. It's like a free, free testosterone calculator because I don't know what most labs are doing, but different labs, when I, when I get them back, their free testosterone levels are, are off. And I don't know if they're just using sex hormone binding globulin because your testosterone is not just bound to sex hormone binding globulin. It's also bound to albumin and actually another uh, cortisol binding hormone. But 90% of it's done by those three. So those are the things you want to get measured and calculate. Um, the problem with estrogen is they're not really using the sensitive test, uh, but it's still kind of an okay idea to get an estrogen uh, run. And well, it just what, would you, what would you run differently in terms of, because typically they're testing the E2 is it, yep. is it not? But it's actually the, the way they do it. They use a, to my understanding, I think it's called an immunoassay. So they're using, it's, it's something like antibodies, which you want is a, a chromatography one. It's just okay. more specific. It's just however they, they get the numbers. Um, okay. I could speak a little bit more to that. And you might be able to ask for that in a sensitive estradiol test. Um, you know, if you're working with a, uh, a pretty progressive practitioner like, like myself, I, most of my lab, I run a DHEA, I run a pregnenolone, I run a progesterone. All those things aren't necessarily 
uh, aren't all like 100% necessary. And most doctors probably won't run them unless you specifically ask for those. And those are all the steps from cortisol to testosterone, you know, androdiastine, um, just so you can kind of see if there's something kind of blocking up your pathway. Because in your case, if you're having some brain fog, I'm like, okay, maybe pregnenolone, maybe your DHEA. Um, if you're feeling a little anxious, it could be your progesterone. So to me, I feel better. I'm conservative. The more information, the better that I, can, that I can rule all those things out. It might not just be your testosterone. And what sucks about our medical system, it is just so one-dimensional. It's like, oh, your testosterone's fine. I run a full thyroid panel, TSH, T4, T3, free, three, free T3. Well, that's where, all those it, things, so. as far as the thyroid and that's where you have to get specific because most are just going to run TSH. Yeah. And you want to get T4, T3, reverse T3. Mm -hmm. um, Anti-TPO. I mean, I run antibodies TPO too. Antibodies, yeah. Run it just to make sure because even if you have the antibodies, even if your levels are fine, you can still have antibodies and it won't manifest for a while. So it's still a good idea to be like, okay, get. And I take guys off gluten and dairy if I see the antibodies there. Just uh, It's good for like, if it's just more calories, you can kind of cut out. So, and then if we're uh, anything else as far as so, I, I mean, obviously, I would look at just as an ancillary. I would look at blood sugar. I would look at yes, fasting, glucose. hemoglobin A one C, cholesterol, uh, prolactin, uh, prolactinomas. Is a it's, you've heard of this? You, it's basically in your uh, pituitary. No. So your pituitary gland actually your hypothalamus. Um, puts out gonadotropin releasing hormone that slides on down to your pituitary and then your pituitary produces LH and FSH. Um, but what can happen is that you can get a prolactinoma, which is part of the pituitary that overgrows and you produce high amounts of prolactin. High amounts of prolactin can inhibit testosterone production. Um, this is actually one of the more emerging theories about like why younger guys testosterone so high. It has something to do with their higher amounts of prolactin, which have to do with dopamine. Oh, uh, that's super, that's super interesting. Yeah. Because I was just asked a question. And remember, I posted on Instagram yeah. about are there any questions. And I actually had someone ask if there's a link between porn and erectile dysfunction. 100%, man. I see it. All. I, there's not much antidotal. There's not a lot of research evidence out there right now, but just I see it, man. Like a lot of these guys that are coming in with ED, the clinic that I'm at in Irvine, I see a lot of ED, like a handful of guys a day. Um, and again, this is where you kind of, you got to get off the beaten track a little bit and just think physiologically. And I see it the worst in like these 18 year olds, like they grow up on porn and their first, their first handful of sexual encounters, they can't get hard. Yeah. Well, why? It's, it's just dopamine all the time, well, everything they're doing. Well, and then they're nervous. They're not used to, I don't know about you. Like I had to court a woman, you know, I had, I had, I had to go up somewhere and ask her for her number and then I had to take her to the movies. And then I'm like, Oh, I hope I get to first base tonight, you know, yeah. and then slowly progress. And these guys, these 18 year olds, they go home and they watch porn and they have these porn stars that, that, Oh, I'm, I'm bored with this chick three minutes in and they jump to another session. So it's literally throwing off the yeah. reward system in the brain. Good point. And, and then the sympathetic thing kind of comes in. Like they're nervous. They don't know what they're doing where it's, it's just, there's, and there's just a large form of dis disconnection. I think that also the dopamine is produced from video games, the dopamine that's produced from, uh, you know, kids are social, drinking energy drinks, social there's, media, social media. Yeah. Ding, like they've shown that all that stuff is known to be yeah. and the body says like, and this is the other thing I kind of get where guys are like, yeah, I masturbated three times and then I tried to have sex and it didn't work. I'm like, well, your body's like, I just, I just ejaculated three times. It's not time to <laughs> ejaculate again. Like when guys are like, you know, we went once and the second time was harder. And I'm like, uh, able to do that. To be like, 18 again. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, it's just, uh, and I think more stuff is going to come out on that, man. I do really, you know, when you think about porn and I don't mean to get too, too philosophical, it's kind of weird um, because you're actually, 
you're actually pleasuring yourself to watching two other people have sex. You know, a hundred yeah. years ago, you'd be like, dude, you're, that, that makes you a creeper. And I did. I'm a victim. I've watched porn before, but sure. I, I've been doing my absolute best to cut it out. And when I talk to guys about it, I think get, get away from it. Because again, you kind of remember when you're like 18, you're like, man, I'm really hoping this weekend, my girlfriend, we, we get to do yeah. some things. And that builds, like to me, you can feel the testosterone build up. You can feel your body yeah. like it's time to reproduce. And they show that like with intermittent fasting and all these things, your growth hormone goes up. Your testosterone goes up because your body's like, it's time to go out and do these, these hard tasks. And when things come to you so easy, then your body has no need to, you know, like, you know, build muscle. So, yeah, no, that's good. That was a really good side tangent. I'm glad we were able to answer that question. I think it's very relevant for, for guys, um, to be considerate of. And so I will just jump. I just want to jump really back, back real quick to yes. this clinical perspective. Yes. Is, okay. So I'm going to go in, I'm going to get all these blood tests run. Now, as an aside is if I was to come in and see you and I have these legitimate concerns, what other clinical uh, you know, tests are we going to run? What functional medicine tests are we going to run? And I'll, I'll say that with the caveat that I'm sitting right next to me here with, I'm sitting with um, an organic acids test. Mm -hmm. I have a Dutch test mm -hmm. because I had Dr. Kerry Jones on the show. And, um, and so I'm going to run the Dutch test. I'm going to run, I actually have a hair mineral analysis test. I don't know how much you've gone down into that. Heavy metals, lower teeth. Yeah, heavy metals for sure. So what other things would you suggest adding on to that? Where I usually just start is um, uh, on top of what I said, CBC, CMP, all those kind of basic lab markers, and then um, kind of specialty lab testing. I run a micronutrient. Is and that like a spectra cell, like white blood, white blood yeah. cell? Okay. Yeah. Spectra cell. And like, so you, you're familiar with that. It's more of a yeah. long term. You're looking at the white blood cells to see, you know, 60 to 90 days. Um, just, just to look at, you know, omega three levels to look at zinc, magnesium. Are you deficient? And anything that's called, like maybe you're deficient in your B vitamins, it's giving you depression or anxiety or, or, or fatigue. Um, and then from there, man, you, you can start going down some rabbit holes because heavy sure. metals, heavy metals can lead to low testosterone, Lyme disease, mm -hmm. um, a mold toxicity. So, and, and that's where a lot of times, I hate to say it's easier, but that's where it's like, it's hard to find the root cause of low testosterone um, yeah. a lot of times. And a lot of times we already know it's going down anyway so i would have this conversation with you i'm like how much money do you want to spend because we could if you want we could go after you know 10 yeah different, but you'll be, you'll be you'll be piling up a pretty good bill that's a really good point and i think first comes first you know let's determine where my levels are and see mm -hmm. if it's even an issue i mean look the reality is like i have three businesses i have three children um both my wife and i work we've got a crazy lifestyle so much so that it comes brings us full circle back to what we were originally talking about is like, I do a pretty darn good job of trying to manage all those things. Again, I said sleep sucks. So I know that's something that I absolutely need to improve. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I definitely exercise enough. I de definitely like meditate, try and manage my stress. I've got the, the infrared sauna that's heated up ready for me to jump into right the podcast. So I'm going to go in, in there and, uh, and detox a little bit and chill out. But, uh, yeah, this is all really, really good, really valuable stuff. Her Herb-wise, really, to my understanding, the only herb that has been shown to increase testosterone is ashwagandha. Mm. And, 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 and why I think that works is because it helps anything that can help lower your, your cortisol. I think I said that earlier. Cortisol literally shuts off the ability for the mitochondria to bring in cholesterol to form testosterone. So yeah. if you're getting cortisone injections, uh, you know, if you're distressed, but um, ashwagandha helps with decreasing the cortisol. But again, 
it's, it's, a, it's a give and take. I do know that some people who get on ashwagandha actually get tired because it has somewhat of SSRI properties. So again, you need to be working with a practitioner that knows these little nuances. I had a friend that was taking ashwagandha for six months and he felt like absolute poo, man. He was just really mm. tired. He's like, what's going on? And I'm like, well, what'd you change? He goes, I started taking ashwagandha. I said, stop. And uh, he stopped taking it. He was like, yeah, my energy levels are better. But he was taking it because he wanted to increase his testosterone. But there are other kind of things that come into play when you start messing with, you know, your serotonin and stuff. So, um, again, it's, it's really individualized. And, and like I said, zinc, zinc, selenium, magnesium. Are magnesium. Some ones. Yeah, digestion, making sure you're at your, digestion function, your digestive function is, is working correctly. Um, dude, so good. So good. So, uh, Dr. Muller, where can people find out more about you? Uh, so, I, got, uh, I would say Instagram is the easiest way to find me. Great. Dr. Um, period, Michael Moeller. Uh, I have a website, drmichaelmoeller.com. Working on the SEO. <laughs> That's something I've talked to Ben about trying to get around to that. But then uh, you can also Google Shine Natural Medicine. That's where I'm seeing patients in Solana Beach. So if you're in San Diego, hit me up. I, As you can tell, I love talking about these things, especially I was talking to Ben earlier. We kind of have the same avatar. You know, We want those guys who are looking to take your life to the next level and, uh, you know, my pledges to my patients, like I'm on the front lines every day, checking out these peptides, checking out like any, I did an NAD IV the other day, trying to figure out all these ways just to kind of optimize the health. So, uh, more than happy to help all you guys out. And, uh, you know, Ben, I am uh, honored and privileged to be here and I think you're producing great content and the world needs it. So thanks brother. It's, it's absolutely honor to have you on for you to share your knowledge and passion and wisdom and dude, we're going to have to do it again. So well, let's do this. Let's, uh, I'm going to get, I'm going to get these labs run. I'll stay in contact with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and then let's jump on in a few months and kind of circle back and see where we're at. Um, I want to go talk a little bit more about supplementation. I want to talk more about IV therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some very cool stuff there going on. And so we can definitely, um, get that on the books. Uh, in the meantime, man, good luck with everything. Your your booming practice, and don't hesitate to let me know what I can do to support you. For all those of you listening, make sure you check out the show notes below for Dr. Muller's links to his Instagram, to his website, and to see how you can work with him. Uh, with that said, thank you for listening, and I will catch you in the next episode. Thanks, Doc. Later. Later. Did you love this episode of the Smart Nutrition Made Simple Show? Then head on over to iTunes, subscribe, and leave a positive rating and review. And more importantly, share this with other men that you know are dedicated to leveling up in every area of their life by learning how to live healthier, more energetic, and productive lives so that they can optimize their health for their family and future. Thank you for listening. And if you want to find out more about how you can work directly with Ben, then just head on over to www.bslnutrition.com forward slash level up.